Have you been following the Perseverance rover that landed on Mars in February? It was fun to watch as the robot landed on the surface of Mars, ready to explore. And it's been even more mesmerizing to watch videos and with sound and pictures that have made their way back to Earth. Part of the technology that makes the communication between the rover and NASA possible is Zigbee. I'm Jason Cipriani, along with Jason Perlow, and on this episode of Jason Squared, we're going to talk with Tobin Richardson, the CEO and president of the Zigbee Alliance, about this project along with the future of Zigbee. So welcome to the show, Tobin. It's great to have you on, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Jason. Good to be here. If you don't mind, would you please take you know just a few seconds to tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure, you bet. Uh, my name is Tobin Richardson, CEO of the Zigbee Alliance. I've been with the organization for a uh, better part of a decade and uh, first uh, joined at Zigbee Alliance to really help it get into smart meters around the planet. And then as it became kind of a more mature technology, uh, stayed on as a CEO to have helped the organization grow into a lot of different market segments, which is where you're seeing us in smart homes, smart building uh, industry, as well as Mars. Smart meters. That sounds interesting. That's a that's an interesting start. <laughs> it was. Cool. Very cool. So, Tobin, you know, we've... Uh... Occasionally discuss Zigbee uh, and other wireless data communications technologies used in home automation industry, as well as other verticals such as wireless sensors and industrial control systems where obviously Zigbee started. Uh, but for our listeners that may not be familiar with it, can you kind of tell us a little bit about the Zigbee standard and what the typical use cases are? Yeah, you bet. Uh, it started off uh, almost two decades ago, uh, and I had some experience with, with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth early on when they were more on the proprietary side, and, and they have really good use cases. The use cases that really drove uh, Zigbee early on were around personal area networking or, industri or industrial kind of wireless sensor control uh, networking. And so, you know, all based on an 802.15.4 standard, turn that into uh, kind of specify how to implement that standard uh, with what we call a Zigbee stack. Um, and early on, you know, that was really about uh, lighting systems, uh, industrial controls, and, and again, like I said, wireless sensor and control networks, and that was really the, the first, uh, first area that it uh, kind of found, uh, you know, effectively a good market. Cool. So today, uh, Zigbee uh, has a maximum transmission rate of, of 250 kilobits per second. Uh, that is significantly slower than other low power data communications protocols like Bluetooth, low energy, uh, which is about two megabits per second. Now, I understand that there are some very important differences between the two and how they perform and in what situations you might choose one over the other and what distances they're effective at. Uh, do you see them as complementary technologies? Uh, so as an organization, we have a lot of different technologies. In fact, the number of technologies we have is growing and how we kind of relate to other ones. Zigbee versus, you know, Bluetooth, they're definitely different, uh, uh, different uh, use cases. On the Zigbee side, you know, in terms of uh, mesh networking up to, you know, hundreds and thousands of nodes, that's really uh, a, a great area for Zigbee. Um, you see a lot of other use cases where there's one or two devices, and there, there are different use cases where you'll use, uh, use a, a Wi-Fi or Bluetooth uh, standard for that. But for Zigbee, where we've really seen um, seen it grow is in a lot of lighting applications, uh, yep. especially if I look at uh, the San Diego Convention Center. Uh, at one point, you know, I think virtually all the lighting there was done with Zigbee. Uh, you've got hundreds and hundreds of devices off of a uh, single network controller. Uh, so it's really good for really large, diverse networks. Um, the range is, uh, is still pretty impressive uh, on Zigbee. You're going to get in a, in a smart home really 50 meters. 
on, on Bluetooth, I'm sure you'll see kind of drop off on, on your headphones, you know, uh, five or yeah. 10 meters, depending on how that works. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing some good work. I mean, a lot of these standards, you know, will evolve. Um, and we're, you know, we'd love to see uh, what Bluetooth is doing, love to see what Wi-Fi is doing in a lot of, you know, complementary areas and Zigbee continues to evolve. We, the original Zigbee stack um, is on revision 23. <laughs> so we're, wow. you know, we keep, you know, we keep evolving um, how that, uh, how that looks, how the, how the technology functions. So it's, it's got a, a really good sweet spot around, uh, you know, diverse uh, networks that take advantage of the mesh um, and the data rates when you're just, you know, sharing, you know, a contact sensor on, you know, it's contacted or it's not, or an on and off command from an echo show to, you know, signify light bulbs. Zigbee is a great standard for things like that and many others, but that's, uh, that's one of the areas that's really good. Cool. So what's sort of like the history of, of the protocol, you know, and where are we today with its feature set, you know, with version three? Because I, I, I see that, you know, this has been around for quite a while. It's been a really fascinating kind of evolution. And, and honestly, one of the things that has really kept me personally involved in kind of how the technology evolved, how the standard is evolving. So if you think back to where it started, you know, Wi-Fi at that point was really about the network and you've got, you know, a laptop or a desktop and an access point. Um, you've really got a limited number of devices, right? And you're just really throwing packets over, getting access to a, a web server and things like that. Fantastic. Um, Zigbee came in, did kind of the same approach. We're just going to connect all these devices. We're going to figure out how the networking works. And then we'll just let people figure out what they're going to do with that, you know, one node connected to a controller or another node connected to, you know, 25 different nodes, let them route, you know, through appropriately. So that's, a, that's kind of the origin story. As you have these really lightweight, and like you talked about, you know, 250K uh, transmission, um, you know, when you're looking at uh, the packet sizes and things like that, you're not going to be, you know, serving web pages over over that, over that. Um, right. But also, you might, you know, build a, a light bulb. I might build a light bulb. Jason might build a, you know, a light switch. Um, and if we're all doing that in proprietary ways, and our on-off commands are different, and and as you your audience probably knows, you can argue about on-off and what that actually looks like. You would think it's binary. It's not quite so much um, in terms of uh, how you how you yeah. turn that into something that's implemented. So again, this this is part of that evolution where we started not just you know um, discussing how to how to apply the 15.4 standard and, and choose from that menu on how best to do the networking. We actually started getting into the application. So the members. Um, as you have a lot of lighting companies, a lot of uh, building automation companies who effectively were doing things a little bit differently. They said, you know what, this is a standard. Let's, uh, let's agree on what that, you know, what that looks like. Let's agree on what, you know, on and off looks like. Let's agree on what kinds of currency we're going to use and what that looks like as well. So this turned into a new area of work for the Alliance, but it was still all tied together in one stack. Um, and so you've got the Zigbee Pro networking component, and then you start building this application layer on top. And that's really what's led us to where we are today in the Zigbee stack and with Zigbee 3.0, which is effectively said, um, and it's kind of gone this interesting kind of out and in and out and in, 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 right? So we did this, you know, kind of standardized applications. And then we're, we have this real still flexible mindset. Well, we could have a lot of applications in, in medicine. Cool, let's go off and do that. We might have some really good applications in energy. Let's define that application layer in energy. Super. How about home automation? Great, let's go do that. But you go do home automation. You go to energy, they both have thermostats. Right. Um, are we going to define thermostats differently in these profiles? Like, okay, we're, we're defeating the purpose here, right? So that's why I said kind of going out and coming back. So we brought yeah. that back together. And that's what Zigbee 3 is today, 
which is, um, you know, which is a really good natural evolution, right? I mean, you go out, you test the market, do people care about this? Oh, they do, millions of devices. Cool, should we standardize that? Yes, we should bring that back in, improve that and build that out. So today, 18 years later, from just, you know, lightweight personal area yeah. networking in industrial, you now have a full stack Zigbee 3.0, uh, you know, standard that defines all this. Uh, and that's in R22, we're working on R23 right now, uh, where we'll start getting into usability across different hubs. And it's all part of that kind of Zigbee evolution of trying to standardize as much as possible to make that, uh, you know, that kind of alignment of the, of the nodes and the, and the controllers all, all work together seamlessly, a consistent language for those devices that are attached as well. I can talk a little bit more about that in a second, Paul. So I'll shut up for a second and let you skip <laughs> No, I'll let Jason so, answer a couple of questions. Cool. Yeah, so I think it's fascinating. You talked about the different roles and going into different industries. And so let, let's dive into what role Zigbee is playing with the current rover on Mars and, and how all of that is working. Yeah, no, for sure. The um, it, it was it was great to uh, to see that kind of come across. And, and I had the good fortune of uh, being part of a, a retreat uh, put on by... Uh, Amazon uh, five years ago, where I met the project lead for uh, for the Mars rover, Mimi Ong, and, and just amazing uh, work that they're doing. Um, and we didn't actually really even know early back then, and I don't know if that was part of it, but uh, this is really about, you know, communication between the rover and the helicopter. Helicopter flies autonomously when it's up in flight, but when it lands, it can transmit data back about location or, or other information about battery and things like that. So really good, just kind of, you know, mission telemetry that it can get back to it. So you've got a a Zigbee 900 megahertz radio on the rover and a, another one on the helicopter itself, and they're able to communicate uh, uh, that way. So why why exactly, what made Zigbee suitable for data communication between Perseverance rover and the drone itself? Like what, what aspect of that made NASA go, yep, Zigbee's the way to go? And, and I will defer kindly to them and let them explain that. But from my perspective, I think where, where it made a lot of sense for them is the low power uh, component to this, you know, low, low data rate um, and, sure. and looking at uh, in, in really extreme environments um, like uh, uh, like Mars. Um, it's good to have a very lightweight purpose-built uh, standard. And and I talk about kind of the, the history of, uh, of Zigbee was really in low power, low data rate, right? So it was, it was really kind of built up from that perspective where it's, you know, only the essential to get the information across really makes it possible for long battery usage uh, for, for those kinds of environments. You can't power on on Mars. I haven't seen a, a power system up there yet. I don't think Matt Damon's put in one yet with his potato farm. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. uh, but that, you know, it's, uh, I think that that component of it makes it makes it a really attractive uh, solution for uh, for that application. And then the sub gigahertz range is nice. You've got, you know, you've got good range, of course, you know, different power components, but uh, that is uh, that is a good component as well. Yeah, as I understand how that how that helicopter works, it's a, it's a semi-autonomous, right? It's not a fully intelligent thing. It's more like a like a like a a ride that you would see in an amusement park. Well, it's kind of running down a track. Now that track is kind of an invisible pre-programmed track, and telemetry would, is going to be sent from the rover to the helicopter. Uh, and and to some extent that that track can be adjusted on the fly as as needed. So this is going to be like a lot of telemetry style. Uh, signaling that's occurring back and forth. And because Zigbee has a, uh, as I understand, a maximum range of 3,000 feet approximately, right? So that's that's within the mission profile of, of, of what the helicopter is doing as far as its distance, its maximum distances uh, from the rover. So it, it does, I mean, you can't, you're not going to want to do a 3,000 foot Wi-Fi transmission. 
right? Or even a Bluetooth. You can't don't even try that with Bluetooth, right? I, I, I can I can barely get blue I can barely get Bluetooth to work, you know, fifteen feet away from my desk, let alone, you know, three thousand feet. Yeah. And these technologies have great use cases, right? And that and 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 no knock at all on my fine Bluetooth. That's great places. This is not the right application for that. Yeah. And there are a lot of challenges that that operating environment too. And so we're, you know, we were talking about this on the team, you know, as this became public, you know, what other, you know, what are the real world cases where this might be useful? And as you look at, um, you know, I'm not going to say there are Mars-like environments on uh, on Earth, but if you look at places where it's difficult, you need really high reliability um, in areas that are remote, uh, that, uh, you know, don't have access to uh, a lot of the, you know, power, uh, power capabilities that you might in just a typical building. There's a lot of really good use cases there. There are a ton, you know, we look at, um, uh, you look at pipelines, uh, you look at uh, remote yeah. areas where you want to get good telemetry and you want something that you, you can rely on. There, there are a lot of good use cases there. And have, yeah, it's awesome that this is one of those use cases. Have you got, are you guys involved with any of these um, emergency field worker uh, like text device uh, capabilities? Like potentially, you know, putting a Zigbee, uh, you know, chipset inside like a, a smartphone. And so, like, if you were to drop the, the the comms network for 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 four G or five G were to go down in an emerging situation, would it be possible to to mesh with network texting and, and maybe some rudimentary burst voice cap capabilities uh, between uh, handhelds? Uh, you know, yeah, you, should, you should be able to do that. I'm not familiar with these uh, directly. I know there are organizations like FirstNet that are looking at sort of first responders as well. There are, you know, if you look at you know fire, uh, those are like you're talking about, right? I mean, there are. Um, so new technologies that are, I wouldn't say new technologies, but the technologies are being used in new ways um, in those field environments uh, where you're dropping sensors to track uh, where the fire uh, fire line is in, in a wildfire. And certainly from a human perspective of being able to track, there's a lot of good data that you can get in that in that small burst that's really useful in terms of positioning um, uh, emergency signals and, and like you said, in the voice burst or something like that. Uh, so certainly those are areas that Zigbee can be used um, and uh, and as we evolve as an organization, there are other technologies we have in our house um, with this common language for devices that we think can be used across technology. So not just a Zigbee network, not just a narrowband IoT or 5G, uh, but you can do a mix of those together uh, and effectively have you know one common language kind of going across uh, across those different different media. That's fascinating. Cool. And I'm sure there's a lot of lessons learned. I want to take a step back to Mars real quick and, and ask you what the Zigbee Alliance is hoping to learn from what's going on with Mars and, you know, how the technology is being used there and implement that into new, new like uses of technology, like you just said a, a second ago. Yeah, no, we're, we're really fascinated by, uh, by what's happening uh, with this implementation. I think um, there are uh, a lot of areas really in power usage. How do you know, how, how are the, How's the transmit power? How's the antenna power? You know, looking in terms of listen, uh, the transmission rates. Um, if we can get an idea for how that operates in you know a negative forty or fifty degrees Celsius uh, environment, um, yeah. I don't know that we're you know, and so you know we're really very curious about kind of how how that uh, how that works in terms of uh, uh, what we might learn from that as well as um, uh, delivery and you know packet delivery failure and things like that. Are are the messages getting across? Zigbee is really good for that. Um, in terms of retries and, and uh, uh, things like that, uh, but that's those are a few of the areas that we think would be really interesting to learn learn some. And of course, this is a demonstration project. Um, uh, the way that they've described it, they've set the expectation that you know this is the first time they're trying this. So if it you know they've already learned a lot in terms of the data, uh, you know one getting it there and things like that. Of course, we certainly hope that they're able to get good separation, get the missions, uh, the flights done that they're they're expecting to. 
uh, and, and get you know some good learning from that. That's awesome. Okay, so the million dollar question here. So going back down to earth, uh, a lot has <laughs> been discussed uh, about Amazon's new mesh network, Sidewalk, uh, that is used in its Echo smart speaker devices, which is implemented over its built-in uh, Zigbee transceiver modules. Uh, Zigbee's been designed to be highly secure so that it can operate over private networks and not interfere with or cross traffic uh, with adjoining Zigbee networks. Um, so Amazon has altered the use case somewhat by having all of their echoes, uh, regardless of who owns them, uh, communicate over sidewalk in order to share firmware patches and such. Uh, what's Zigbee's position on this? Do, do you feel there's a good use case scenario uh, for public mesh networking with Zigbee outside of, of Amazon Sidewalk? I, you know, it's an interesting question. Um, I think, you know, we'll see, we're, we're still kind of in a wait and see on Sidewalk and to see where Amazon goes. Obviously, Amazon is very active in the Zigbee Alliance. Uh, in fact, they're on our board of directors. We have some terrific uh, engineers and principal architects that participate both in the Zigbee side um, and Project Chip and uh, and in the MacBuy stuff uh, that we do within the Zigbee Alliance. So, uh, you know, a little bit of wait and see. I think in terms of uh, you know the, the public networks, that's a really interesting uh, approach. Um, there are, I think, some areas that we want to look at a little bit more, uh, dealing with privacy and security. And as you said, Jason, you know, in terms of how secure this is, how uh, the mixed networks are going to operate together, and that's uh, an area that we want to investigate a little bit more, let's say, for now. Uh, but right now, a little bit of wait and see on, on Sidewalk. Speaking of wait and see, Thread is a protocol we've heard about for a while. Not, you know, large amounts of press going out about it, but it's something that consumers are going to start seeing and using more often, especially now with Apple's HomePod Mini supporting Thread, acting as a, a router, a border router for it. How does Zigbee and Thread, how do they compare and how do they contrast? Yeah, so, uh, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, low power uh, mesh networking that we really kind of are, are sitting in the same area. The, the notion of IP networking um, is one that we've had, you know, we've got a Zigbee network is not native IP necessarily. Of course, you can, um, you can easily map to it and you can, you can address to a single device on a Mac address and things like that. So it's not sure. without unique addressing, um, but the, the notion of IP has been one that we've, we've uh, been tracking closely over the 20 year history of the organization. Um, and Thread Network actually came around right as we as an organization were looking at developing a similar low, low power IP stack with a lot of the same same functionality. When we learned about that, you know, with our sister organization, we said, you know, do we create a competing one or do we just partner with them? Because we knew that that language that I talked about earlier is going to operate not just on Zigbee networks, but also on other IP networks. So we made a decision at that point that we would partner with Thread Group. Um, and, you know, we've contributed quite a bit to uh, their development as well, even on the MacFi side of, of Thread. And so we're, we're effectively, you know, we'll sister be a good sister organization with uh, with Thread Group. Um, as they get to commercial rollout, we will have an application layer that'll run on that in, in Project Chip. The differences today between Zigbee and, and, and Thread, um, you know, uh, mainly it's around the IP uh, side, whether it's IP, uh, IP addressability, uh, and and that's probably the, uh, the the most known kind of you know difference between uh, between the two. Uh, but we we see a lot of synergy there with with the organizations, uh, organizations. So today you, you, you want to build a product that is quickly usable in, in virtually every ecosystem on the planet. Zigbee is a great, great choice for you. As you look yeah. at, um, some of this evolutionary piece, and we kind of see this uh, confluence in, in terms of IP, 
uh, Thread is, a, is an awesome solution for that. And, uh, and we think the right language on top of that and the right standard on top of that will be project chip on top of Thread. And that will have a lot in common with what we do in the Zigbee uh, Zigbee side as well. So the, the development side will be a lot easier there as well. Long answer to your question about the difference between Thread and Zigbee. No, no, I appreciate the insight. I, I've been reading a bunch about Thread. I have a few accessories around the house and using it as well and talk to a lot of people about Thread. But seeing your perspective on it really, really helps. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you've got, got, got the Eero uh, 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 Wi-Fi in our house and and uh, enjoy that too. And, and looking forward to connecting some some 15 out 4 devices on. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think Perlo had one more question for you. Yeah, so is is there a, a Zigbee 4.0 in the planning stages yet? Uh, what improvements can we expect to see from Zigbee in the future? Improved data rates or you know more, more nodes? What more? Okay, so we're going to go straight to 5.0. Ah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> They're pulling a Samsung. That's right. No, uh, <laughs> so I mentioned we're on, you know, Zigbee 3.0 is kind of how we're describing the, the complete stack. We did that when we brought the uh, the different profiles together. Uh, and so uh, we're, we're continuing on that path. Um, right now we're working on R23. One of the biggest functionalities on R23 is really focused on what we call all hubs. Uh, and that's uh, effectively trying to, you know, get all the hub operators to effectively treat devices the same. Right. Uh, joining process and other pieces. So there's a lot of good improved functionality for consumers that hopefully consumers will just enjoy a, you know, a cleaner, crisp experience getting devices into, into the network regardless of which, uh, which hub. In addition, we're uh, going to be adding some support for uh, sub gigahertz um, in R23. So uh, we'll start taking advantage of others. And we've had, you know, some demand for that in different markets and market segments, whether it's home automation as well as smart energy uh, as uh, utility uh, companies want to try and reach uh, larger places. And, and as you know, sub gigahertz and 2.4 have different different uh, behaviors and uh, sub gigahertz in a, in a big thick concrete building is a, is a nice solution. Yeah. So, you know, all of the UK, we actually already did that. So we'll bring that over into, uh, into R23. So I don't think we're going to be calling it anything uh, different per se, just bringing more functionality into into the next uh, next release, which should be a, a really good improvement for uh, consumer experiences on, on smart home. Awesome. I'm all for consolidating the hubs and making them work better with each other. That, that's my biggest hang up with this whole smart home conversation. Well, I think yeah. I don't think you're alone, Jason. I think the I think the ecosystems and all the hub providers get it too. Uh, so, uh, if, yeah. but as you know, it takes a while it takes a while to get all this normalized, sure. and that's oh, been my I've biggest been, lesson. Well, most 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 hub and 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 home and home automation providers. I, I happen to have a, a a home automation solution installed right now that is not Zigbee based, and it annoys me. But it's a rather large company. Uh, in 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 the in the lighting control segment, I, I hope I hope they get on board uh, with you guys at some point. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident they will. Jason, we have we're we're gaining new member companies who kind of get that you know the war is over. Let's just make yeah. it consumers, and so yeah, um, uh, they're coming along. So I'm very optimistic. Very good. Yeah, I've been screaming about hubs from the top of a mountain for I don't know five or six years now so I, ho I hope it finally gets taken care of yeah. but you know the you know the issue all too well Perlo do you have any last questions for Toby no this is awesome I, I this is one, definitely one of the more you know techno geekier things that we've done and uh, although we've been doing quite a lot of techno geeky things lately but uh you know Tobin great thanks for coming on and uh you know we're, we're looking forward to you know more advancements in Zigbee and, and, and new devices and new hubs and, and and getting everybody to talk the same language that'll be fantastic it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And thank you guys so much for, for having me. It's been great chatting with you.
Awesome. Yeah, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I imagine you have to be pretty busy. So truly appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. And the Mars stuff is way cool. Um, congratulations on that. And uh, yeah, it, it was great having you on the show. So I'm Jason Cipriani. And I'm Jason Perlow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And make sure to check out more of our work at ZDNet.com. Thank you.